I, I'm just curious, how many of you are uh, praying, hoping that the Giants pull it off today? Huh? <laughs> Patriot fans are very confident. They say, we don't need prayer. We'll just win. We got Brady, you know. So, uh, yeah, just curious, how many of you are rooting for the Giants? All right. Patriots? Steelers? <laughs> the Rams. <laughs> what, what if you knew in five minutes God was going to give you a call and you could ask God anything you wanted and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that whatever you asked for, God would say yes. What would you ask for? Now, you can't ask for three more yeses. Can't ask for a genie in a bottle and that kind of stuff. But what would you ask for? I mean, the deal is one request, you get to ask, what would that prayer request be? I, I know for some, you would say, well, I want to rebuild my marriage. For others, it would be that a wayward son or daughter would get their direction in their life. And I'm sure that a few would say, well, I, I would like uh, an advancement vocationally or you know, financially. But I, I think it's safe to say that all of us, we would ask for whatever is the most pressing need in our life. So again, if this phone rang right now, or your phone rang right now, and you had a chance to voice that request, what would it be? You got it? You got that thing? Don't say it, but you got it? Because based on God's word, God says, tell me about it. Tell me about what's going on. You know, talk to me about what's on your heart, scriptures say. Because God says, you know what, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want, I want to do something in your life. In fact, I believe God would say, I want to blow you away with an answered prayer. You know, we're in this series, uh, iPhone. We've been learning about prayer and looking at it from different angles. And I, I've said throughout that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we want. But God always answers the prayers. And we talked last week about that sometimes God says yes. And we like it when God says yes. We tell our friends, we tell our neighbors, our co-workers. But sometimes God says, wait, you know, we need to work on a few things first. And so we get a little uptight at that. I mean, let's be honest, none of us like to wait. We don't like to wait for anything. And we really don't like it when God says no. And in fact, I, I believe... That two-letter word makes a lot of people say four-letter words because they, it just jams them up, and they, they, they don't like to hear no. And we talked in detail about why God says no. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to download the, the message because we just keep building as we're moving through this series. But I believe when it comes to prayer that everyone deals with prayer one of three ways. For, for some, it's a progression. And you kind of move forward, but not always. You know, some people kind of bounce around with it. 
some people stagnate when it comes to prayer. Some, there's a rapid progression. And for some, whatever the reasons, they regress. But I believe for most of us, the starting point when it comes to prayer is we don't pray. You know, that we would say, yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't pray. I just, um, I don't know if it really works. I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't quite make sense to me. And I think that for many that start in that camp, it's kind of an apathy, low-key apathy, that I, I just don't pray. For others in that camp, I think it's more brazen. It's prayer? <laughs> Give me a break. I mean, prayer, prayer's a joke. The, the attitude's kind of uh, amped up, so to speak. You know, prayer... Come on, that's for people that just don't get it. And usually, not always, but usually that anti-prayer stance is because someone's went through something in their life and it's kind of, they felt like God failed them or, or jammed them up. And that's a whole topic for another, another day. But for whatever reason, whether it's dialed up or just an apathy, the fact is, one of the ways we deal with prayers, we simply don't pray. Some of you would say that today. You would say, yeah, I just don't pray. For others, you deal with prayer, and what it is is you do it once in a while. It's this sense that, yeah, you know, I pray sometimes. I mean, I get in a jam or something. I, every now and then I throw a prayer to heaven, and, you know, I get in a pinch and don't have any, anywhere else to turn, so I, I pray. And I'll be honest, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I, I don't pray more. I, I know I probably should, but I just don't understand it real well. It's kind of like foreign territory. Again, I don't have anything against prayer. I think it's good when people pray, but my life, sometimes it seems like prayer works, and other times, I, I don't know. I don't know. And so we pray once in a while. And then some would say, you know what? The way I deal with prayer, I pray regularly. I pray with a passion. Uh, in, the, in the church, we, we've talked about people that are prayer warriors, that they just naturally fall to their knees and they lift their, their voice to God. They don't miss a beat. They're committed when it comes to prayer. They, they talk to God when things are going really good in their life and they talk to God when things are, are really bad and, and falling apart. But the reality is that they pray. And prayer is kind of the first option. It's not the last option. It's the first option in their life. But most of us deal with prayer to a greater or lesser degree in one of those three ways. We don't pray. We pray now and then. Or we pray regularly and we don't miss a beat. Now here's what I want to do today. Today what I want to do is motivate you. I want to mo motivate you to pray more, to progress when it, when it comes to this thing called prayer. And we're going to look at a couple stories that I think have the potential to help you take your prayer life up a notch. For those of you that would say you pray regularly, don't miss a beat, that this would motivate you to go a little bit deeper and to commit yourself a little more to spending time with God and praying. For those of you that are kind of the now and then, you know, maybe the 911 prayers when things get panicky, that you would begin to pray regularly in your life. And by regularly, 
I'm talking about daily. You know, you'd adopt uh, UPS uh, kind of mentality. Come rain, sleet, or snow, you're going to pray. You're just going to do it. And for those of you that never pray, here's what I hope, that you begin to pray. Just now and then. That you might check it out. That you might say, you know what? I'm going to test out this thing called prayer. I'm going to talk to God once in a while and see what happens. Now, the first story I want to look at is in Luke 18. And I would encourage you to, when you go home, read, read the text. It's, it's a good read. It's an easy read. But what I want to do is kind of set up the story. And I, I'm going to warn you up front that I think this is one of the passages in Scripture that is misinterpreted a lot that Christians kind of take this story and they run wild with it. And sadly, I think they miss what God's really trying to say. They miss the interpretation on on this one. But Jesus is talking to his followers one day. He says, you know what? I'm going to tell you something that will motivate you, that will motivate you to pray. And that's exactly what he did. You see, there are two main characters in the story. The first character is a widow. It's not a wealthy widow. It's not a a widow that is going on a carnival cruise, you know, traveling around the world. and She doesn't own a Fortune 500 company. She's not wealthy. She doesn't have this huge stockpile to fall back on. No, this, this is a Middle Eastern widow. No connections. She's broke. She doesn't have friends. She's alienated. She has nowhere to turn in her life. The widow's being taken advantage of, we're told in the story, by a villain. Now, what we don't know is how she's taken advantage of. I'm going to guess one of a couple ways. She may, someone may have been extorting from her. Someone may have been intimidating her physically. Maybe they were just trying to evict her from her apartment, throw her out on the street. We don't really know, but what we know is she had nowhere to turn. And so she's thinking to herself, you know what? I remember a judge that might be able to help me. And so here's the second character. It's a local judge. Now, don't raise your hand on this, please, but anybody watch court TV? (laughs) You know, Judge Judy, Joe Brown. Every once in a while, they'll be coming on after something I watch, and I'll catch them. It's kind of humorous because they're always trying to work with people. You'll hear them say things like, Come on now, let's, let's work together on this. You know, work with me here. Come on. Come on, tell me what's going on. Let me help you. This isn't the kind of judge we're talking about. This judge, Jesus describes with two very stinging statements. He says, first of all, this judge neither feared God or cared for people. Ouch. How'd you like to be known as that? You don't fear God and you don't like people. That's a great way to live. (laughs) But this judge, this judge doesn't like people. And you can almost hear him saying, you know, don't clutter up my court. You're you're a no count. You're get out of here. Leave me alone. I don't have time for you. I've got more important things to do. I was going to go golfing this afternoon and you're just messing it up. So this judge doesn't really care. She pleads her case before the judge. The judge says, get her out of my court, throws her out on the street. Now, I love this widow because this widow is not an ordinary widow. She's courageous. 
She's tough. She's got some backbone. She's got some fire in her. And she picks herself up, dusts herself off, and she begins to reason to herself that she's going to deal with this judge. I'm going to bother him. I'm going to make his life miserable. I'm going to follow the camel tracks till I figure out where he lives. I'm going to hang around outside his house. I'm going to be his worst nightmare. I'm going to make the paparazzis look like lightweights. He is going to hate the day he ever saw me. I'm on a mission, and I'm going to pester him till he deals with me. And that's exactly what the widow did. The judge couldn't get away from her. You can almost sense the pressure. It's getting greater and greater. He's getting more aggravated as the days go by. Looks out his window of his home. There's that widow waiting. He gets to his office. She's called and left him 300 messages at the office. Hey, give me a call. Here's a number you can reach me at. Hello, hello, is anybody home? Not sure if you got my first hundred messages, but just wanted you to remember. This is reminder 171, and yes, I'm counting. And I think she got a little seuss on him probably, and she was like, you know, if you want to get some rest, I think a quick call is best. You know. <laughs> note after note, call after call. She keeps bugging him, getting in his head, and finally the judge just loses it. And I, and I love his response. It's recorded in Luke 18, verse 5. It says, listen, this woman is driving me crazy. I'm, I'm going to see that she gets justice. Why? Because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Now, can, can you feel that? I mean, he loses it, he unloads, he grabs his staff and says, take care of her. I'm sick and tired. This woman is driving me crazy. Get her out of my hair. I don't care what you do, just get her out of my hair. End of story. The judge helps her. Now, here's my question. what's, What's Jesus trying to tell us? I mean, what's the moral of that story? Bother people until they break? I personally think it's watch out for widows, but um, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> it pays to pester. I mean, what what's Jesus trying to do? Because here's what happens: is I think a lot of believers they read this text, they read this story, and they kind of reason to themselves, "I got it," you know. How many of you watched Batman and Robin as, as kids? The original, not, not this new stuff that's on the movies. You know, I, I used to, I love Robin because Robin would always say, holy mackerel, Batman, I got it. And I think a lot of Christians read this passage and they go, holy mackerel, I got it. I figured it out. Bother God and he'll answer my prayers. 
And we're like the widow, you know, we kind of see ourselves as having no power, no one to turn to, but we've got this judge way up in the sky that we've got to kind of plead our case to. And if we pester God long enough, we'll drive God crazy and God will answer our prayer. I think that's how most of us look at it. You know, we kind of reason that, like, if I bother God enough, what's going to happen is God's going to turn to Gabriel and go, you know, Gabriel, do something about him. Damon is relentless. He won't give it up. He just keeps bothering me and bothering me. Get him out of my hair. He won't leave me alone. Just do, do whatever it is he wants. Go, go, go. But that's not what Jesus is trying to say. That's not the point of the story. You know, Jesus is a phenomenal teacher. When, when you read his words, you find they're very relevant. They're, you can apply them to your life. And sometimes Jesus used allegory. Sometimes he used parables. Sometimes it was simply an illustration. This story, if you read it in the context, is really a story about contrast. You know, Jesus wanted his listeners to kind of walk away, scratch their head, and go, hmm, what was he saying? You know, Luke 18, verse 6, says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? You know, if you know Christ personally, if you've made him your savior, he's adopted you into the family, your son and daughter, your chosen one. And it says, who cries out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? Will God keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. In other words, we are not like the widow. In fact, it's just the opposite. We've got a connection with God. We're not a bother to God. God doesn't see us as a nuisance. The the fact is, he sees us as important. And I've said this throughout the series that God loves to listen to you. Your voice is one of the sweetest voices that God wants to hear, that he, that he wants to know what's going on. I mean, parents, when, when I was a parent, I'm now my grandkids, it's kind of this way, but when my kids really wanted to talk about something, they didn't have to come to me and go, Dad, 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 please, 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 please listen to me. Please, the Father, listen to me. Just just listen. They didn't have to do that. Now, I'm not talking about when you're in the checkout line and the kids harangue you about candy. You know how that goes. That, that's a whole different thing. But I'm saying when your kids really want to talk to you, do you listen? Well, sure you do. When my kids really wanted me to listen to them, I would stop and listen. And you do that as parents. And what I'm suggesting is that that's exactly what God does. God listens. You don't have to convince God to listen. You are not the widow. You know, God's not like the judge that says, get out of here. God says, you know what? I love you. You matter. You're you're important. Share with me. I'm listening to you. I'm paying attention. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to answer your prayers. You know, this past Christmas, I I had an extremely good time getting uh, gifts for my grandkids because they're at those ages where they just light up, you know, and and I love, I love how that feels. That's how it is with God. 
I believe that God loves to give us things. That God loves to bless your life. God loves to give you the wisdom to, to make certain steps in your life or to help you in a relationship or with a problem. And, and I think what, what happens, you know, let's just be honest, that sometimes we pray and God answers our prayers and we kind of shrug it off. You know, it's like, well, God must have helped a lot of people today. And I just got lucky and got included in, in the group. You know, I, I guess my request kind of slipped through. You're wrong. God absolutely wants to answer your prayer. You didn't just slip through the cracks. Second story. Probably one of my favorite in the Old Testament. But what we have is Israel is camped in the middle of nowhere in the desert, which is pretty typical for Israel at that point in their history. They found themselves in the desert for years and years and years. And they've got an enemy that's breathing down their, their back. The Amalekites. They're moving in on Israel. Moses is the leader of Israel at this time. And Moses could tell that they were about to clash. And so Moses calls in General David Petraeus, also known as Joshua for you. And he talks to him. He says, you know what? We've got a situation. And he kind of lays it out. And they decide that they're going to go to battle. And so Moses and Joshua devised this strategy. He says, you know what, Joshua? I want you to lead the army. And I, I want you to meet the Amalekites on a battlefield the next morning. In the morning, you get out there. And Moses tells him to fight with courage. But then there, there's an interesting line. Because right before, and I, you can almost picture Joshua getting ready to go out the, the tent, go out of the tent, and just as he reaches the door, he says, Hey, Joshua? Yes, sir? While you're fighting tomorrow, I'm going to go climb mountains. Now, some of you thought Gen X were the original climbers. Moses is climbing mountains back before it was cool. And so he climbs the mountain, and he says, You know what? When I get up there, I'm going to take two buddies with me. I'm going to take Aaron and her. And when I get to the top of the mountain, while you're fighting down below, I'm going to pray for you. Joshua's cool with that. He says, all right. And you know why I think he was okay with it? First of all, Moses was really old, okay? He wouldn't have been a whole lot of help out on the battlefield probably. But he wanted to have Moses up on that mountain praying more than he needed Moses down on the battlefield fighting. He, he needed Moses to seek God's guidance and anointing more than he needed him down on the field with him. And so that's what he did. He said, you know what? I'll be up there tomorrow. He gets up early. He climbs a mountain. He gets to the top. And just as he gets to the top of the mountain... The fight breaks out down below. 
And Moses symbolically lifts his hands, literally, just lifts them. And he asks God to bless them. And he asks for supernatural courage and, and strength for, for the men below that were fighting. And as, he, as he's praying, the advantage turns to Israel. The Amalekites are kind of on the run, so to speak. Moses is paying attention. He goes, it's working. Now, I don't know if you've ever done it. How long can you hold your hands up? Two, three, four hours into this. Guess what happened? Deltoids start hurting. He starts getting weak. He's getting tired. He finally lets his arms down. He's walking around. He's watching the battle. And all of a sudden, things change. Aaron, her, come here. Look, look at this. Look. Now, now the Amalekites are winning. They're beating up our boys. What, what's up with this? This doesn't make sense. I don't understand. We're getting beat. We're getting overrun. Men are dying. Oh, oh, I need to pray. He holds his arms up, begins to pray. He looks down again. The Israelites are taking charge. I like the way Scripture says, it says, When Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites prevailed. Moses discovered something that rocked his world that day. I think it rattled his spiritual cage. And I think it ought to rattle our spiritual cages. And what he figured out is that God's prevailing power is released in the lives of people who pray. People who pray regularly and systematically and fervently. You know, God wants to act, but you've got to pray. Symbolically, you lift your hands. You don't, you don't have to, but you've got to pray. God, I give you this situation. God, I give you this relationship. God, I give you this problem. And friends, when you do that, you can watch the tide change. If you want God to bless, if you want God to answer your prayers, the first thing you've got to do is pray. You just got to do it. Because if you don't, I mean, seriously, if you don't want things to change, if you want them to stay the same, if you want to get beaten, then don't pray. It's that simple. I mean, it's a theme throughout the Old Testament that you find God blessing his children, God answering prayers. It's something you find in the New Testament. It's crystallized in the New Testament of a God that answers prayers, that loves to answer prayer. Romans eight sixteen and 17 says, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are God's children, then we are heirs. And I'm going to kind of we'll just stop at that point. We are not born children of God. Hear this. We are not born children of God. And I know some of you are going... Yeah, but I, I was born a Christian. No, not true. I go to church. And your point? You know, I've said this before. Going into Taco Bell doesn't make me a taco, right? You've got to make a personal decision. You've got to accept Christ as your Savior. Son and daughter. Son and daughter thing. 
Scripture goes on. It says, now if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Here we go. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. God says, you know what? I'm going to stack it up. I'm going to get involved. And there's two reasons these stories jazz me up and motivate me to pray. First of all, the stories remind me God is interested in my prayers. You know why God's interested in my prayers? Because he is infinitely interested in me. He's interested in you. You know, most, most of us believe... I think if we were to talk, if I was to go around and talk to each of you, if we were to talk long enough, there, there would be this sense with many that, you know, I'm not sure God's really concerned about what's going on in my life. You know, I, I mean, I'm not sure he's interested in hearing what I've got to say. You know, sure, surely God must just be busy. He's got other things to do. I mean, he's spinning planets and dealing with major world issues and all this stuff. Surely, God doesn't really want to talk to me. But these stories remind me that God does want to talk to me. That God is interested in my prayers. That God's interested in my prayers because he's interested in me. And friends, that motivates me. That gets me excited. Because I serve a God that cares. It motivates me to pray anytime, anywhere, about anything. Sometimes I just talk to God in general. Pretty nice sunset. He's like, yeah, well, I created it, okay. You know, it's beautiful out. Just having a conversation, but God wants to talk. And here's my question. Do you talk to God? Do you spend time with God? Because God's waiting to hear what's going on in your life, and he's waiting to bless you. And the second thing that the stories remind me is that God's able. Not only is God interested in you, but God is able. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's able? I mean, Scripture is packed with stories where God moved, where he turns the tide, where history was changed because God got involved. It's been my experience in my life, and as I have observed the lives of other people and spent time with people, that God's able, more than able. I mean, he created the universe. That wasn't a problem. Keeps the planets in orbit. That's not a problem. You know, he, he parted the, the sea so that they, they could go through to freedom. The, the Amalekites, they weren't a problem. Young boy faced off against a giant. That wasn't a problem. Blind people could see. The lame could walk. Jesus, he's laying in a tomb. He's dead. That wasn't a problem for God. Stormy sea. And it was still. That wasn't a problem. And here's what I want you to hear. Your problem? It's not a problem for God. You know, I don't know what it is you bring to the plate today. But I can tell you that we serve a God, that that's not a problem, that God's interested and God is able. You can take that one to the bank. You know, in this series, uh, as I've been thinking about prayer and kind of wrestling around with it, I, I just kind of, uh, uh, I do kind of a micro focus. And so I just looked at the last year. 
and wanted to see, okay, so what's God done prayer-wise? You know, what, what prayers has God answered? And friends, I've got to be honest with you. I just stand amazed at what God's done just in, just in the past year as, as we have prayed fervently and systematically, as I prayed about people and, and situations and events, uh, prayed about this church, its ministries, as we continue to move forward. And I, I sit in awe and I praise God for what God's done, how God's moved. But then it got, it got a little complicated. I, you know, I'm sitting at my desk and I began to kind of let my mind run. And I was like, what if? What if, what if I had prayed more specific this past year? Because I'll be honest, sometimes my prayers are a little general. I mean, and then I thought, well, what if I had prayed more? You know, spent more time in prayer than I, than I did putting a message together. Or doing this or that or whatever. And what, what if? What if I had expanded my prayers? You know, taking the requests up a notch. I mean, what, what could God have done this past year? Are you praying? Are you praying about certain things? Are you determined? Because I'll be honest with you. The other side of the equation, if you don't pray... If you don't ask God to get involved in your life, you don't ask for that prevailing power to be released in your life, don't be surprised. Do not be surprised if the tide turns against you. Don't be surprised if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel defeated, discouraged, despised. I mean, just don't be surprised. Now, I didn't finish the, the Exodus story. You know, Moses, Moses' arms up, they're winning, arms down. Pretty soon, he's a smart guy. He figures this out. And he lifts his arms. And he gets so tired, he asks Aaron and her to hold his arms up. They're like, just hold my arms up, man. We'll pray. We'll keep going. And they won the battle. And I think, what a, what a cool picture. This man of God standing on a mountaintop, and he's just praying, saying, Aaron, her, hold my arms up. Let's pray. Let's change the course of history. Stand beside me. We're going to do it. And I think that's one of the coolest pictures in the Old Testament. God's prevailing power. You know, my prayer in this series has been that brothers and sisters would grab one another's weary, tired, worn out, exhausted arms and that they just lift them to heaven. That this church would join hands and support one another and encourage one another and lift up those weary, 
broken, the weak, those that are struggling, things in, in our, our riverbend area that need to change, and that we would begin to pray like we've never prayed before. I mean, isn't it about time that you begin to pray? Isn't it about time that you take your prayer life up a notch? Because here's what I know. There's a God in heaven that's very interested in what you have to say. And there's a God in heaven that wants to totally blow you away with answered prayers. Now, I didn't say selfish prayers, right? But he wants to answer your prayers. You know, I'd encourage you, whether you're in a small group, serving on a team, or, or whatever, that you take time as a group and lift your hands to heaven and lay it out there, whatever's on your heart. And then watch God do his thing. Now, next week, we're going to kind of wrap this all up and uh, deal with some of the things we haven't talked about through the series. But um, let's be a people of prayer. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. We thank you for this day. And God, I pray that we'd look around us, that we'd assess whatever the situations are, and that we'd lift those things to you. God, help us to get specific. God, I pray that you'd continue to expand the ministries of this church, that we'd reach out to those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are struggling, those that are just have lost direction in their life. God, that you would use this church in a mighty way. God, may we be your hands, your feet, your voice to a world that's hurting. God, we thank you that you're never too busy to hear our prayers. God, I just thank you that you love us enough to hear them. We give you the glory. We give you the praise with all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.